Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. All throughout the New Testament, there is a contrast drawn between the older covenant of death and the new covenant of life in Christ Jesus. I think of John chapter 1 that says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ, even grace upon grace. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 3, He also expounds on this contrast between Moses and the tablets of stone and the ministry of condemnation versus the ministry of the Spirit who transforms us into the image and likeness of Christ from glory to glory. And he speaks how under Moses there's a diminishing of glory and under Christ there's an increase of glory. One of the more striking passages, though, that describes this contrast is in Hebrews chapter 12. And um, in verse 18, it says, For you have not come forward to a mountain which uh, could not be touched, and which was set on fire, and to darkness, and to gloom, and to a whirlwind, and to the sound of a trumpet, and to the voice of of, of many words. This is the scene in Exodus where the children of Israel arrive at Mount Sinai and God shows up and it was, it was a fearful event. And uh, the author here in the book of Hebrews is trying to describe that event. It says the, the fear came over the, the Hebrew children to such an extent that they ask God to stop speaking. It says they entreated that no further word be spoken to them. And it says in verse 20 here, they could not bear that which was being commanded. And it's just such a vivid description, again, of the old covenant. It says here that even if a beast was to touch that mountain, that beast was to die. It really was a covenant of fear and trembling. Even the next verse, verse 21, and so fearful was the sight That even Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. And uh, what a vivid picture is painted here regarding that first encounter at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. The contrast here is verse 22. You've come forward rather to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriad of angels, to the universal gathering, to the church of the firstborn who've been enrolled in the heavens. And he goes on to speak about that. He says, you've come forward to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood that sprinkles you. Where in the old covenant, there are so many negative things that beset man. Here in the new covenant, 
There is life and freedom and mediation. There is intimacy. There is a clean conscience because of the blood of Jesus that speaks better than the blood of bulls and goats and the sacrifices of even Abel. So a vivid, stark contrast. The point that I want to drive home is simply this. In the New Testament, our walk with God is not one necessarily of a phobic fear, of timidity and trembling and condemnation and darkness and gloom and death. In the New Testament, we have a living God. We have that living God through Christ procuring life for us, through His resurrection then imparting that life to us through the Holy Spirit. And we have a walk with God. We have a loving, intimate, union relationship with God. Unlike in the Old Testament where we could not bear the speaking of God, we couldn't bear walking with God. Here in the New Testament, we are free from that condemnation, from that death. Why? Because God ministers to us, because of the work of Jesus Christ, God ministers to us the life-giving Spirit. That simply means that when the Holy Spirit works in us, He is working life and riches and abundance in anything and everything that is the purposes of God, the will of God, the blessing of God. The Spirit is working all of that into us. Can I ask you before we even get going today, are you under the ministry of condemnation and shrinking back and hiding fear and trembling? Or are you under the ministry of the Spirit of God that enlivens you and takes you from grace to grace, life to life, and even glory to glory? The law of life is to live inward. The law of life is doing something within you. You are no longer living at Mount Sinai. See, Mount Sinai produced an outward law. Man was incapable of keeping that law due to the weakness of his flesh. But go to point B. You are now no longer at Mount Sinai. Now you've come to Mount Calvary, to Golgotha, that produced the life-giving Spirit who indwells all those who call upon the Lord Jesus. Moses and the gang back in the day, all they had was a mountain that shook, a mountain that was filled with fire, a trumpet that was sounding. Everything was external. Even the law was written on stone. Everything was external. But now, you no longer live by such an external law. Saints, you live, praise the Lord, by an internal spirit who takes that law and makes it flesh in you, lives it within you. This is the normal Christian life. That's the point I'm trying to make here. But now, flip the page, and we'll just read that governing truth, and then I want to go to Romans chapter 8. Governing truth. The law of life is the active operation of the Holy Spirit within you. When the Spirit is actively functioning within you, life will be the law and the result. 
So we praise the Holy Spirit that He dispenses something within my being. And it's no longer an outward living, but it's an inward living. As Christ lives by His Father's life, you will live inwardly by His life. And this is what the law of life is doing, the spirit of life. Paul says, Ephesians, oh, I want you to get this. This law is active. It is operative. It is working. And it is accomplishing the economy of God. Before we read here, Look at your notes. Romans 8 states a fact. Romans 8 says, In you right now is such a law of life. That law is in Christ Jesus. And that law is moving. It is powerful. It is working. And it is dispensing the riches of God into you. This is a fact. He states it in verse 2. Very emphatically. Then you'll see, Paul goes on to explain the process. How this law will work within you. What it accomplishes. And then you'll notice, it also shows you how this law spreads within you. Oh, let's read Romans 8 for a few minutes. Verse 1. There is now then no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For that which the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likeness of the flesh of sin, and concerning sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Stop for a minute. All throughout the past few days, we've been making this statement, in you is a law of life. That law is not dormant. It's piercing. It's penetrating. You should feel that law constantly doing something within you. Now we're asking ourselves, what is he doing? He's depositing life. Because you serve a living God. When you squeeze God, out comes life. When you ask God a question, out comes life. When you pick a fight with him, out comes life. No matter what approach you have to God, it is living. It is life-giving. Paul states, you have such a life-giving spirit within you. So look at your notes here. There's the fact. Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now follow with me in your notes. Paul now states, for that which the law could not do. That little phrase, that which the law could not do, Paul is actually saying the law is incompetent. Do you see that? As opposed to the law of life that is competent. Paul says, 
The written law, the external way of living is incompetent. Another word you may use there is incapable. Look at it. For what the law could not do, it is inapt. Inapt, incapable, incompetent. Then he says here, the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. And he points out here that the flesh is impotent. Who can tell me what this word means? Impotent. Yes, dear. Not you, Maury. I was looking at you. What does the word impotent mean? How many of you have heard we say God is omnipotent? He is omnipotent. So what does the word potent mean? Uh-huh. Very good. There you go. Potent is just the old English for power. So, Paul says here, the flesh is weak. In other words, it is not omnipotent. It's not all-powerful. The flesh is impotent. Im here is the negative prefix. Negative. In other words, the law is incapable because you are impotent. And he is painting a picture here. Not so with the law of life. The law of life is capable and the law of life is potent. Omnipotent, powerful, moving. Are you with me? Stick with me for a few more minutes. Then he says here, In that which the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, and in the next little word, God. God. Circle the little word God there in your Bible. Because it's a contrast now. The law is incompetent. The law is even incompetent because my flesh is impotent. I have no power to fulfill the law. And then Paul just says, God. Bam, right there in the middle of it. And so we see that God is the initiator. God is the initiator. If anything potent, if anything life-giving, if anything frees you from sin and death, who's going to do it? Not the law of Moses, but the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, God. Hallelujah. Amen. What does God do? He sent His own Son in the likeness of the flesh of sin. We call this simply the incarnation. Amen? Incarnation. God stepped out of heaven into a man to come and fix this problem. The problem is Romans 5 and Romans 7. The problem is that man is in the old Adam and that man has a power of sin working within him. Even though he has the law, the law is incompetent. Man has flesh, but man's flesh is impotent. So God takes the initiative and he becomes incarnated. This is what's going on here in Romans 8. Now look here. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And now Paul states the issue concerning sin. God is coming into the flesh of Jesus Christ to deal with the issue of sin. Are you with me? Because Romans 7, 
Paul is saying, I find something within me that works it out, even sin. It's no longer I, but sin. So God takes the initiative. He incarnates himself into a human body regarding the issue of sin. Now, this life-giving spirit is within you to free you from the law of sin and death. Now, look at what Jesus Christ did. He condemned sin in the flesh. He incriminated. You know what happens to a person when he is incriminated? He's sentenced. He's condemned. He's locked up. He's behind bars. What did Jesus do? God initiated. He came into a man. The issue was sin. And he locked sin up. Now when this life-giving spirit is within you, guess what he's doing? He is teaching you and showing you that sin in your life is locked up. You should no longer be under the law of sin and death. You are free. Now, Paul states here in the next phrase, He condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in you. This is God's intention. Do you see that? This is God's goal. This is God's intention. That all the written law code of Moses, thou shalt, thou shalt not. It's the intention of God. And remember, all the law of Moses is summed up in this one requirement. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, with the entirety of your being, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all that thou shalt, thou shalt not, not, is summed up love. Are you with me? That's the righteous requirement of the law. That is God's intention, that you would live in the way of life. Are you with me? Live in the way of love. So, the law is incompetent. Your flesh is impotent. You want to love your neighbor? Oh, I want to do good, but you rather smack them. But then God, He takes the initiative. He incarnates. There's an issue He wants to deal with. It's sin. Then He condemns that sin in the flesh. Praise the Lord. So that His intention in you could be fulfilled. What's His intention? All the thou shalt, shalt, thou shalt notest is summed up in this one intention. That you would live by love. And love by life. And then he says a nice phrase here that I love. He says that the righteous requirement of the law, God's intention, might be fulfilled in you. In other words, he's going to impart it to you. Praise the Lord. Now the law of the Spirit. He is imparting such a freeing, such a requirement that is met through Jesus Christ. Imparting it into you. Paul says, I want you to know what was imparted into you. This inheritance, this rich inheritance that you got. That you may know this power that works within you. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He is taking the incarnated work of Jesus Christ. And the issue that He dealt with is to free you from sin. And His intention is that you would meet the requirement of the law. But no longer through your flesh. Because your flesh really is impotent. And the law, even though it tells you what is right and wrong, the law cannot help you. God is imparting it as a free gift through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Are you with me still? And then lastly, 
Paul makes a little clause here. He says, this law of the life of the Spirit in Jesus Christ, it works in those people who have the identity of living and walking in the Spirit. And there's your last little thingy there. The identity of the Spirit. So can you see the gospel here? Saints, Paul just preached to you the entire gospel. I made up all these little words. You may have to add a few more. But check it out. Here's the gospel. The law is condemning. The law is speaking. The law says love. And this is the righteous requirement of the law. The law has a standard. But the law is incompetent in helping you. And furthermore, your flesh is impotent. It doesn't have power to fulfill the law. Ah, but God. Amen. He takes the initiative. And He incarnates Himself. And He deals with the issue of sin. And what does he, how does He deal with sin? He doesn't counsel with sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. He condemned by His being dead on the cross. He sentenced sin. So that the righteous requirement of the law, this intention of God, might be fulfilled in you, imparted into you. Upon this condition, walk in the Spirit. Listen, step outside of the life of the Spirit and you will feel like, ooh, I've got to do something for God. Stay in the Spirit. Have your identity in the Spirit. And you will experience the rich, powerful, life-giving law of the Spirit who dispenses the living God into you day and night. Y'all, here's the gospel. And then watch this now in your notes. This life-giving Spirit spreads into the entirety of your being. Paul states the fact then he gives you the process how this fact will work within your life. And then lastly, he goes on in Romans and he begins to explain to you how it will spread. Look at your notes there. The law of life is the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. Now this law of life spreads into our spirit through regeneration. You have to be born again to come into this law of life. You see that in verse 10. And you see that the law of life also spreads from your spirit and it begins to saturate your soul. You see that in verse 6. Then you see this law of life further spreads and will eventually resurrect and transform your body. You see it in verse 11. And then ultimately, a new body in verse 23. Do you see Romans 8 in a new light here? It all comes... From verse 1 and verse 2, the fact. Remember, chapter 5, he spoke about an identity in Adam. In chapter 7, he shows to you the frustration of a man that lives in Adam. But then the answer to all of that is Romans 8, verses 1 and verses 2. No condemnation in Christ. Why? Because there's a spirit a life-giving spirit in me that frees me. And then he takes the rest of Romans 8 to explain to you what this life-giving spirit accomplishes within you.
This life-giving spirit prays through you, he says. This life-giving spirit puts to death the issues of your body. This life-giving spirit groans within you. This life-giving spirit makes you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? This life-giving spirit makes you an overcomer in the latter part of Romans 8. Everything in Romans 8 stems from verses 1 and verses 2, the fact that you have a life-giving spirit within you. Are you with me? Let's read the, the governing truth, and then we'll wrap up with one last verse. When God's divine life enters into your spirit, it produces... A law. And this law spreads out from your spirit into every portion of our entire being. When this law spreads into a certain part of your being, it becomes the law of that part. For instance, in your little house inside here, you have a little room there in the back, the back of the house with a little closet, and it's kind of dark. When the Holy Spirit spreads into your little house, eventually He's going to be operative, working, and permeating to go to that little back room that you've suppressed, that little issue in your character, that little fallen quality that you deny. And when he comes into that room, he establishes a kingdom there, a government there, a regulation there. And if you allow him to set up shop in that room, then he begins to dispense his law of life there. And that law has riches. It springs forth. It bears fruit. It resurrects. It ascends. That law will become the standard in whatever area of your life lacks. And you will discover He gives you life in that area. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, praise the Lord for the life-giving Spirit that dispenses the source into us. And that source is life. Praise the Lord. We have such a living God within us. Jesus lived by this life. The Holy Spirit dispenses this life. It's becoming my reality. My entire being is governed by this law. So I'm not going to do anything that brings death into my being. I'm just going to stay with life. Is that okay with all of you? So if I watch a movie and there's a sense of life and peace within me, I keep watching the movie. But when the Holy Ghost comes in and He says, Son... This movie is, is bringing death to you. When and I've had this many times. Um, then my flesh says, no, let's keep the movie going. It's going to get better. Oh, <laughs> it never actually ever does. My flesh is incompetent. It's incapable. It, it's, 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 uh, there's no power in my flesh to turn off the TV. We rent this movie and it disturbs us. The Holy Spirit says, this is not life. All I have to do is turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I embrace you. Work within me. And then all of a sudden, Wendy and I were overcome by the law of freedom. And that law gives us such strength. We just click, off goes the movie. We go back to the movie place. We say, sir, we don't like this movie. Give us another one. 
on the same dime we paid for it. With that law, just whatever you do, stay in life and check within you. Is this life giving? If it's not, get out. It's not easy to get out. It's probably incapable to get out by the flesh. You will have to call on the Lord and let that life-giving spirit give you the power. And he does give you the power. How many awkward situations have you been in? You try to get out with your flesh. You can't. You can't. The flesh is impotent. You need such a life-giving spirit within you. 1 Corinthians 15, last little verse. We will come back to this, but for now, it's an introduction. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, he became a living person, a living soul, a living, beautiful human being. In contrast to that first Adam, the last Adam, look at that, became a life-giving spirit. So when Jesus moves into your little heart, He comes as a life-giving spirit. And with that life comes a law. And with that law comes a regulation. Just like that highway has a law. That spirit within you, Jesus Christ within you, has a law. And that law regulates you. Oh, this movie is right. This movie is wrong. That friend is good. This friend is wrong. This situation, run. This situation, stay. You can trust such a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That first man, he became a human being. But this next man God created through incarnation, this next man, he went through human living. Eventually he was put to death. He was in the grave in the heart of the earth. Eventually he was resurrected. He was ascended. But then he came to you not as a carpenter of Nazareth, but He came and indwelt you as a life-giving Spirit.